Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast presented by the Riley Decker Companies. Please do us a favor and help us change and improve lives by subscribing and giving us a rating on the platform of your choice. Thank you. All right. Super excited to have Blanca Burns on the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to the UDP. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to give you a quick intro and then we'll jump right in. So Blanca is the first Mexican woman referee in NBA history. Burns earned that incredible accomplishment when she took to the court to ref a game between the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs this past December 27th, 2021. Uh, She paid the bills. This is an underdog story in itself. Paid the bills by working with kids, I think at age three, games at a local YMCA amongst many different places then eventually became a referee in the NCA in the NBA G League before she had that chance in the NBA. So incredible, incredible story, Blanca. So happy to have you. How does it feel to break glass and make history? Has it really set in? I know the season has come to an end, I think, for you um, from an NBA perspective, but it has it really set in that you were the first Mexican woman to referee an NBA game? Yeah, just to actually hear you say that right now, it still kind of gives me goosebumps. Um, It's something that has been such a blessing. And it's just, I I, honestly, I still can't believe that it happened. I'm just so grateful that I was given the opportunity to do that. So definitely excited. And I'm just loving, loving it. So absolutely. It sounds like they might be dinging you to come to the uh, (laughs) NBA finals. (laughs) But, you know, going into, um, working with three-year-olds. So I have a three-year-old and I know you were refing a lot of games with little kids at a local, you know, YMCA and different things. I can't imagine going from three-year-old to little kids now to, you know, working with the likes of, uh, refing LeBron James. So can you kind of tell me a little bit of, of that experience? Yeah. So when I first started, I honestly, I was just a college student, you know, just trying to make it and figure out what I could do on the side just to get a little more money um, to pay for the things that I wanted to do. And so I actually was at a basketball practice. I played division two basketball. Um, I played at University of Central Oklahoma, and then I transferred over to Mid-America Christian where I graduated. Um, But during one of our practices, our coach actually asked me and my teammates if any of us would be interested in refereeing at the YMCA, which happened to be like across the street from our, uh, where our facility was. And um, a few of my teammates and I were like, oh, we might as well just try it. Why not? Let's do it. You know, I think at that time they were paying like $15 per game. And so games wouldn't be longer than an hour. So we're like, hey, you know, that's not a bad gig. So started there. And then, like you said, I kind of just worked my way up and did pretty much every single level after that. Um, Till this day, I'll never forget my first high school varsity game. That was such a big deal, such a big day for me. Um, And yeah, I just started to like work my way up. High school, I did JUCO Division Three, Division Two, Division One, and then finally worked my way up to pro. So it's really been a very cool experience. Yeah, I I actually recently engaged. My brother has um, a first grader that's playing up in a second grader, but I went to one of these AAU tournaments. I think you're quoted as actually the intensity and kind of the craziness of some of these stories uh, that I saw, like parents coming onto the court, they're yelling at you. I, I could see why you actually said this quote. You said, you know, um, you you kind of were, were ready. They're pretty fierce and they don't hold back talking about, you know, kind of middle school, you know, little, you know, kids and their parents, more importantly, 
Uh, putting myself in those intense situations at the lower levels helped me in the NBA. So I'm sitting there thinking, man, how is that really possible? Now I go to my brother's AAU tournament. I'm like, oh my goodness. Now I could see like it's, you know, parents are walking onto the court. They're yelling. There was fighting. There's cops coming into the, you know, the, the AAU tournament. And it, it was a wild scene. So I'm sure that did help you, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, like you said, the parents at these lower levels sometimes get a little bit out of control. And so, especially when I was doing that early, I didn't really, I knew it would, I would get yelled at, but I guess I never really expected it to be as bad as it was. Um, and so when it was, I just quickly realized that I just had to just, you know, kind of stay quiet, just do my job, get in and get out of there. Um, so yeah, but all of those little situations and those moments really tested me emotionally as well. Um, and so I had to use that, you know, and it helped me throughout my career to get to where I am at today. So, yeah, I know it seems like they're always the players. I've been really locked into these NBA playoffs and it seems like the, the players are constantly talking to you guys. I mean, it's like a 24 seven. It's amazing. Um, I guess in business, it's like trying to say focus. I was trying to translate, okay, what is like being a referee in an NBA game to like business to try to translate it for people? I guess there's so much noise and business coming at you. It's like, okay, how do you stay focused on your job? That's got to be really hard when these guys are constantly grabbing your attention or saying things. And obviously sometimes I'm sure it's not as, as appropriate as it should be, but can you kind of talk about the focus it takes to do your job with the fans yelling at you, the players yelling at you at times, or, you know, coaches yelling at you, like what, how do you stay focused? Yeah, it definitely adds a different uh, a level of challenge, um, I would say. Um, and ultimately for us, you know, you just kind of have to fill out the situation. You know, a lot of the times players and coaches just want to be heard. So being good listeners really goes a long way. Um, now, if they do require an answer, like if they're asking a legit question, then I'll first ask them, okay, like, do you want me to answer that? Or do you just want to continue to vent to me? Right. And so they're like, yeah, no, I want to know what I did wrong. So then as soon as they do that, then I can professionally explain um, what they did. Right. And then there's times where it's just the reality of the business that we're just going to agree to disagree, you know, and I'll have to just tell them just like that. Hey, you know what? Like, I respect what you're saying, but you know, at this point, we'll just have to move on and agree to disagree on this particular play. So ultimately it's just keeping it professional and really being a good listener. Yeah. It's really good advice to diffuse a situation. Sometimes it is versus just arguing about it forever. It's just, we're going to agree to disagree. Let's move on with the game for both of us. That's, 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 uh, that's interesting. So I knew you were born in uh, obviously Mexico and can you talk about, let's kind of go reverse. So we kind of talked about making history, breaking glass, kind of the current state of affairs. Let's go back to where you were born and be in, and move into El Paso, Texas and kind of build how did your upbringing help create your, I guess, some of that thick skin, you could call it, as far as being able to handle adversity or intense situations? Did growing up in Mexico and moving to El Paso help that? Oh, 100%. I think that really made me who I am today. Um, I was born in Torreón, Coahuila, Mexico, um, which is like the northern part of Mexico, Um for those of you that don't know, the closest beach to us, because, you know, everyone's like, Mexico, okay, what's the closest beach? I don't know if you've heard, but Mazatlan, Mazatlan, Mexico is about four hours from Torreón. 
So yeah, so me, I have two sisters and obviously my two parents that are still living, thank God. So yeah, it was just a rough time in Mexico. And, you know, dad just thought that it would be a good idea just to, you know, try his best to make a better life for us, for me and my two sisters. And so sure enough, he moved us and we didn't have much. I had maybe $20 in the pocket, not a whole lot. And uh, we actually had an aunt that lived in El Paso, Texas. And so we actually ended up moving in with her um, and we all lived in one room, just kind of like while my parents got on their feet. Um, And so just to see the work that my parents did to try to just build a better life for my sisters and I, like that just, that's something that I'm never gonna forget. And I just feel like I'll never be able to repay them for everything that they did and everything they sacrificed, you know, because all of their siblings, everyone is still in Mexico, you know? So it was definitely, um, I'm sure, very challenging. And as a young girl, um, you don't really think about all that stuff, you know? But now that I'm older, I've really been able to just look back at my life and just say, wow, like, I'm just really grateful that my parents did this because if it weren't for them, obviously I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And so, so yeah, I, I lived in El Paso up till my junior year of high school. I went to Montwood High School in El Paso and uh, my dad finally... Um, got on his feet, got a promotion and ended up uh, getting a job in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and so that's pretty much how we ended up in Oklahoma. And I graduated from Tulsa Union in 2005. So, yeah. yeah. And you say ever since I was a little girl, I always had a basketball in my hand. So sounds like your dad put the basketball <laughs> in your hand pretty early, huh? Yeah. Or I would, I'll never forget this either. Um, as young girls, whenever we would go to the supermarket, um, I would always like run away, like to where the balls were, you know, how they have those big piles of balls. I would always go there and my dad and mom always knew where to find me. They freaked out a few times, but my dad always had this whistle that he would do that you could hear throughout the whole store. So I knew if I heard that I was in trouble and I'd better go find them. So, um, but yeah, they always did an awesome job of just like, you know, we didn't have much, but the little that we did have, it's like, I never felt you know, that we didn't have a lot. So yeah, putting a basketball in my hand was something that my parents did at a very young age. So, so do you ever get the urge, like at these arenas to get shots up? Do you, the referees, do you guys get a little ball in? Like, do you guys get a little workout in? Yeah, (laughs) I definitely get the urge um, for sure. Um, I just think it's in me. Um, But yeah, no, like whenever I'm like just working out at the gym, I'll still go and shoot um, or me and my husband will go to the local park and just play horse or around the world. You know, I still like to get some shots up. So definitely. That's great. That's fantastic. I think something you talk about the humble beginnings of your parents, you know, trying to provide for you and your sisters and the, the amount of hard work that that took. I think also talking about you know, I think it was like $25 a game. I have it at for four games where you're refing a lot of these youth uh, tournaments and different things. So you're working majority a half a day, almost a full day for a hundred bucks, getting yelled and screamed at running up and down the court, probably in a hot gym. Um, you know, a lot of people think probably see Blanca on TV on ESPN and think, man, you know, uh, they might assume the path was hard. They might assumed it wasn't, I, I don't really know, but can you shine light on the grit and grind of, you know, working basically for not a lot in, in earning your way now transitioning from that basketball player, like you said, as, as a, as an early child to then high school to college, great career now into, you know, working through the ranks of being a referee. 
Yeah. Um, so that's actually a great point that you bring up. And I'm not sure if you know of the iceberg illusion or if you've ever seen that before, but it kind of shows the tip of the iceberg, right? Where they're like, oh, wow, look, Blanca's in the NBA. That's awesome. But like you said, right at the bottom of the water, they don't see, you know, like the hard work, the perseverance, the injuries, you know, just the constant grind to stay healthy and run with the highest athletes in the world. Um, so it's definitely, definitely a grind. And like you said, I mean, there were days where on Saturdays I would go and work 10 games a day for $20. Like that in itself, like I still go back and I'm like, I really did that, right? And so then you just go back and think about like, oh gosh, what was I doing to my body? Like <laughs> that's a lot on the body physically and also like obviously emotionally and like it was just so much. But I would say all those little situations got me to where I am today. I have had um, a few injuries, you know, the very first camp that I went to to try to get hired on the women's side for division one I had worked so hard that summer I had studied the rules I had done everything that I thought that I could do and um, I had finally gotten my first division one contract and then come to find out during that same time I tore my ACL so I was unable to referee in that season that I had worked so hard for it and you know I just really really wanted it and I couldn't understand why the timing happened when it did you know, but now, you know, hindsight being older, like I needed that time off to, I still was very engaged. I would still study my rules. I would be watching games. And so then the next time I got on the floor after all the hard rehab that I had to do, I was ready. You know, my rules knowledge was better, you know, and physically I was stronger as well, actually, just because of all the physical therapy that I had to do. So there have definitely been a lot of struggles, a lot of ups and downs, but, um, Throughout those situations, it really, I feel like really made me stronger and paved the way to get to where I'm at today. Yeah. That's awesome that you've overcome. <clears throat> that's a tough, that's a tough physical uh, setback yeah. to come back from. So congratulations on that. You talk Thank about you. the mental side of the business. I think that's something as a player, or now even a referee that's somewhat understated or not miss, maybe it's misinterpreted by the, you know, but the public of maybe how much time and effort that's actually put into that work by players and referees, coaches, et cetera. Can you touch upon that commitment to watching film, to studying the game, to understanding all those different variances? Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of what we do. And honestly, one of the biggest challenges is actually traveling. You know, we literally live out of our luggage. It's And you just, you don't stay in a hotel for more than two nights. Right. And so then as soon as that happens, you're headed to the other place. Right. So it's just a constant grind. And the most stressful thing is by far the travel. Right. Because then stuff happens like when you have a snowstorm coming and you just have to figure out a way to you have to get to the game, you know. And so there's a lot of stress, you know, because we just fly commercial, you know, whereas a players, you know, they have their private jets. We're just flying commercial just like anyone else. And so we, we definitely face those struggles that any other traveler does. Um, but, yeah, once we get to the hotel room, you know, um, it's sometimes really hard to sleep. You know, because there's times where we have to be up at five in the morning to catch a 6 a.m. flight and then we'll have a game that night because there's times where we have back to back games. So we have one game one night, and one game the other day. And uh, so it's just like trying to find time for sleep is also a struggle. And so just that 20 minute power nap, if you can, on the plane is 
is extremely helpful, you know, but we have day of game meetings um, every day that we have a game. So we have to meet at 11 a.m. with the crew to kind of just prepare for the game, talk about matchups, talk about what we're going to face for that night. So um, and then after the game is over, then um, especially in the G League, um, we probably watch two hours of film after the game, just breaking it down. So we're not going to bed until two, two in the morning at times, you know, and then we have to get a 5 a.m. flight. So it's definitely a grind, you know, like anything else, but it, it really does make it all worth it once you get to step out on the floor and do what you love. So. Wow. Wow. How about that day, day in the life, just learned that there's a little bit more than I even thought go to the yeah. game, watch film after for two hours, catch a 5am flight in yeah. on it. We need to figure out when you talk to Adam Silver, I know this is the G league might be a little different, but the NBA, we need to get you guys some jets. Come yeah, on. I know. Right. Come on NBA. Let's, let's get these referees. Right. Um, that's fantastic. So, you know, I think as far as setting an example, I, I just became uh, a girl dad myself. So I had a daughter, Reese, that turns one next month, super, super excited and so fired up to have you on today, Blanca, for many different reasons, but selfishly because I just had, I have two boys and I just had a girl. So it's, I've kind of had a different lens turn on in, in, in my life, um, in leaving a legacy. It's fantastic. If my daughter now wants to be a female referee, I know there's more than just you now, uh, there's multiple, um, but can you talk about legacy that you're leaving for obviously people from, uh, Mexico or from your, your, your country, but also for little girls out there, you know, if they want to be a referee, they can look at Blanca Burns now. Oh man. Thank you so much. First of all, just thank you for saying that. That means everything. And congratulations to you on being a girl dad. That's gotta be awesome. And you have a lot of great times coming ahead of you. So that's great. Um, but yeah, my hope is just to, you know, continue to do that, you know, and even if it's one little girl or two little girls, just to let them know that it's possible, you know, it's possible for a female to be in a man's world and still, you know, be very successful at it. So I would just say to all the little girls out there, do it. Why not? And don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't. Um, the path may not always be easy or may run into some hard times here and there, but like I told you and like I did those hard times make you stronger. So just continue to do it. Don't lose hope. Don't lose motivation. You can do anything that you set your mind to. That's fantastic. Was there someone in particular, Blanca, that inspired you? I mean, did someone drive you outside of you? And you talked about your parents, but is there anyone else that inspired you as far as becoming a referee? Yeah. So, I mean, I always, um, Lauren Holkamp was one of the first ones that I watched. She actually did a show on, um, I'm so sorry about the video. Oh, you're good. She did a show on ESPN. Um, and I believe it was called summer dreams. And, um, I remember watching it and I was like, Oh my gosh, like that is awesome. And like, I want to do that, you know? So Lauren was definitely one that inspired me, but, um, I, I actually also have a group of, of friends and there's about six of us that we all kind of came up through the G league together and even college together. And so to get to now work pro with them and, you know, we've kind of all been through the same path, that little group has really, we just kind of always help each other kind of get through those hard times and even the good times, you know? So, um, I would say we all kind of like inspire each other in that way. That's great. Now, usually one of our episodes will be timeless, but I have to, because the NBA finals are upon us. So this, this is kind of stating where, our, where the current episodes being recorded, but, um, has any female done the NBA finals 
to date? And then if not, what, what do you think, when can that happen? Cause I'd love to see that happen. Well, I think the NBA honestly has done a great job of putting females out there. Um, even in the G league right now, like we we've had a few games where it's like an all female crew and now the players are just like, Oh, okay. No big deal. Like now they they're starting to see it more and kudos to the NBA, you know, for doing that and putting us out there. Um, and there has been a few games um, where there has been two females on the crew in NBA games. And I'm hoping very soon we'll get to a point um, where you will see a female out there, you know, but just like everyone else, just like the males, we have to, we have to work our way up, you know, and we have to prove that, that we can do it just, you know, like they can. So it definitely takes time, but the NBA has done a great job of, of putting us out there. So kudos to them for continuing to do that. Yeah. I listened to, uh, I'm sure sometimes you might have to hit the mute button, but I'm listening to all those guys on ESPN, uh, always, always critiquing the, uh, the referees. You guys don't get a lot of comments. It's always Stan Van Gundy or, or Mark Jackson, you know, critiquing, but sometimes giving some, accompl- you know, some compliments, but it is a, uh, it's a tough job. I mean, it is never usually you're, you're, it's always no news is probably good news in, in your, in your line. But, um, do you ever listen to hearing those guys and you're like, man, they don't know what they're talking about. Or maybe sometimes they do. I'm just curious. What is it when you're listening to a game and you're hearing Mark Jackson and Stan Van Gunny being critical, what is your kind of thoughts? Yeah. Well, my thoughts I think now is like, I mean, I get it. They want to win, yeah. you know? So, I mean, there's going to be times where, you know, they, they just, they may not have the right angle or whatever it may be. And so sure. For me, it's like I do appreciate just, you know, their passion of wanting to win. And so, you know, I really don't take that too personally anymore. Um, but but if obviously, you know, they're right and there's a play because, I mean, we're not perfect. There's going to be plays, you know, that we may not get right, you know, and so that only helps us to, you know, continue to just do video work and stay persist, persistent and just getting better. So, I mean, you hear those comments all the time. And for us now, it's just like, you know, you just got to keep it professional and keep it moving. So, yeah. Do you have, I know a lot of coaches talk about the next play, right. Is really compartmentalizing the game. Do you guys do that in your line of business as well? Or do you try to look at each time you go down the court as kind of its own segment where you can say, okay, whatever just happened down the court, you know, maybe there was a, you know, a very debatable charge, or if it was, you know, whatever the call may be, but now you're on the other side of the court. Are is there like a mindset, neutral mindset? Is there a short-term mindset? Like how do you transition from adversity in the game in a moment quickly? Do you press pause for a minute or not a minute? You don't have that much time, but a second. Um, is there anything that you think of mentally to keep your, you know, keep you up to the top of your game? Yeah, that's actually um, part of our training. You know, when we go to camps and we're doing summer events, like we're taught to just, you know, these plays happen so fast, right? And unlike you guys watching from TV, we don't get nine angles. We get one shot to make the right decision. And so um, doing that, I mean, there's obviously times where it's like, oh man, you know, I may have kicked that. I may have not, but ultimately you don't know until you go back and watch it on film. So in that moment, all that you can do is just believe in yourself, believe that you made the right decision. But I will say it's easier said than done. You know, there's times where you can get stuck thinking about it, you know, and so you, the self-talk that we have to do is vital for what we do. So, you know, if I am in a situation like that, then I just tell myself, okay, delete and reset, 
right? Just put that in a box here. And I'm not wrong until I go back, go back and watch film, but I'm also not right until I go back and watch film. So I really just try to stay confident in my decision that I made live and then just learn from it. You know, if I didn't get it right after the game. Yeah. I love that. I call them knowledge nuggets, delete and reset. Cause I was, I was curious cause you guys keep such an even keeled on the exterior. I was wondering what was on the interior of like, okay, mentally, how do you keep your exterior to that neutral, you know, neutrality of not getting too up and down. And obviously everyone loses their cool, including, you know, people in your line of business in the referee side, because I'm sure it's hard. You know, you see it all different levels and all different sports. Uh, you're human, right? And, and <laughs> we're all uh, innate to, to get uh, emotions into things, but you guys do a great job and delete and reset. We could translate that into any line of business as well. Um, you know, as far as we come to an end here, um, is there anything else that, you know, you could leave for those that are maybe going through looking at Blanca and maybe it's not referee, but it's, you know, a female in any line of business that sees a big barrier in front of them. Anything else that you could, you know, relay to, to, to females or even males of saying, okay, Hey, this is, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, no. Um, and that's exactly right. You know, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, and I think a lot of what has helped me is, is the support in my family. You know, um, my parents and sisters are nearby. Um, they live in Tulsa, actually, and I'm now in Oklahoma City. But, you know, my husband has been my number one fan from the very beginning. Like he was there watching me, you know, during Catholic League when I was just doing little tiny kids. And so it's been cool, you know, to have that support. And, and without that support, it makes this job very hard. You know, so having support of your family and your close friends is huge. And also, you know, keeping your priorities straight right? Just understanding that there is life outside of basketball. So when we do come home and we're tired, you know, we still have to be present, you know, and be with our family. And so how do you balance that? So having that balance is huge. And that family support, I think, I think is huge. Um, but like you said, if I can do it, anyone else can do it. So do for it. Sure. <laughs> and, and what is, that's great. What is next for Blanca? What, what's the future hold for Blanca Burns? Um, so my goal is to to be in the NBA full time. You know, that would be my ultimate goal. And also to um, get to referee in the Olympics um, and represent Mexico. Um, that would be a, such a dream, you know, just to think that I could even do that. Um, and so I'm actually still doing FIBA right now, which is pretty much worldwide basketball. And I'm actually going to get to go to Spain here at the end of June to go and work the World Cup up there. And um, hopefully um, after that, I'll get the opportunity to possibly, I don't know if it can happen or not, but I'm going to try my hardest. And the goal is to, you know, maybe get to do the Olympics, you know, in Paris in 2024, but we'll just see what happens. You know, that's the goal that I'm setting for myself. And if it happens, great. And if not, then I'll just continue to grind until um, that dream becomes a reality. I love it. I know you'll continue to work to get there and we'll be rooting for you from uh, the underdog podcast. We all became Big, big Blanca Burns fans. That's a, that's a tongue twister in itself, but, uh, we are, we are super excited. Thank you for blessing us with your presence and inspiring hundreds of thousands of people. And as we talk about in our true North here at the underdog podcast to impact change or potentially save a life. I think you did that today and, uh, can't thank you enough. So I know the best is ahead and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. Leave a five-star rating and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.